world. And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes, the Bible says, unfruitful. How many of you know the word is supposed to create fruit? The word, when you receive it and you get it in your heart, let's say this is a garden, and I'm putting this seed in, that should grow something. Come on. And it should grow fruit. Say fruit. It should grow fruit. So I shouldn't be dealing with the same things that I was dealing with 20 years ago. Oh, come on. Are you hearing me? I shouldn't be dealing with those same issues that I dealt with 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I've told you, I cussed like a sailor. And if you're in sailor in here, God bless you. Thank you for serving our country. Amen? But I don't deal that way any longer. In fact, I've had people be near me when something's happened, like a hammer hit my thumb and go, I wonder what's coming out. Because <laughs> what's inside you will come out. And what's inside a fruit tree will produce fruit. If, there's, if God has designed a tree to bring forth in that seed apples, what kind of fruits is it going to produce? It's going to produce apples. How about peaches? Peach is going to produce that peach. So he says, it becomes unfruitful in verse 23. And the one on whom the seed was sown in good soil, it's the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit. I like that. He bears fruit. He bears fruit. And he brings forth some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. Say, you're a fruit tree. You're kind of fruity. But you're growing, amen? You know, I mean, it's like, well, you just called me a fruitcake. But you're a fruit tree. Because God wants us to bring increase. And when I look at that scripture, when I see that scripture, it says, on the seed was sown in the good soil, and this is the man who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit. See, if you want to know if somebody's following after God, look at their life. And see if they're bearing fruit. It's not that hard to see. Now we've got to look at their potential. And look at the way God sees them. Right? And speak to that. And bring that forth. While they're in the middle of their transformation. While they're going through it. But let me give you ten biblical principles for increase. I don't know. Are you guys ready for this? I, I don't know. I... There might be some of you that might be ready for this, but I don't know if, you know, maybe you don't want increase. No, no, maybe, maybe because with increase comes responsibility. And maybe there's some of you here today that don't want any responsibility. Francisco does. Anybody else want some responsibility? See, with increase comes responsibility and I want us to begin to look at this because I want God to arm you with some things today that things are going to shift in your mind and in your heart and they're going to begin to shift and you're going to have to take some responsibility in order to bring increase in your life. How many of you realize, I want to say, tell you this, you cannot 
sit on the couch drinking Pepsis or Cokes and eating popcorn and chips and expect God to increase you and bring forth the things that He wants to transform people's lives as well as yours. Amen? I don't know. I don't know if you want this or not. Let me, let me just... Because you know what? When we talk about increase, it's going to break the spirit of poverty. And I don't know if you want that broken off your life. If you want the spirit of poverty broken off your life, then you need to take some notes today. I want you to get this in you. And I want us to look at it. Let's look at it. The first thing, the first biblical principle, if you can bring that up, can you bring that up? There you go. Good job. It's to be generous. To be generous. Say that. Be generous. You got to be generous. We need to be a generous person. We need to give of our time. We need to give of our talents. We need to give of our treasure. We need to help people in whatever we can, whenever we can, as often as we can. We need to help people. And that just doesn't mean when somebody comes in and says, I need some money, that you just give them money. That's not helping them. Sometimes it may be. Sometimes it may not be. But we need to help them. If you're not giving 10% of your income to the church now, you can't claim the promises of God. You cannot claim the promises of God. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3. Let's look at that. I'll have him bring it up for you. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this now, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out or pour out for you a blessing until it, <laughs> until it overflows. Now, here's a promise. Then, I, somebody say then. That's after, not before. See, sometimes we want it before and not after. God says, if you do this, then I will do this. Right? Jesus says, if you will abide in me, then I'll abide in you. So it says right here, it says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that will not destroy the fruits. Ooh, you're a, you're a fruit tree. It won't destroy the fruits of the ground. Or will your vine in the field cast its grapes? One version says before it's supposed to, says the Lord of hosts. So we need to be generous. Let's look at Luke six thirty-eight. Give, there's that generosity, Give, and it shall be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, <laughs> and running over. For by the standard of measure you use, it will be measured to you. As you give, and how you give, and the motive, and the measure you give, will be measured back to you. So if you give somebody, I said this one time, if you give somebody a shirt that has a long sleeve shirt that has a sleeve missing, don't get mad when somebody gives you something. 
or you order a brand new shirt through the through the through the 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 postal service and they come and they deliver it and you get in there and you open it up and it's got one sleeve missing because the same measure you use is guess what but what he says he said to give say give so we, we need to be generous. We know we need to be generous. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. Matthew 10, 42 says, Matthew 10, 42, that whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Jesus was talking to the disciples. He says, man, you give the, one of these little ones even a cup of water to drink. You've got to be generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who what? Sows, we're back to giving, sow bountifully will also reap bountifully. Got another scripture for you. I want to give you Proverbs 22, 9. The very first part of that verse says, He who is generous will be blessed. He who is generous will be blessed. Blessed. If you want increase in your life, if you want increase to come into your life in every area, physically, emotionally, spiritually, then give. Be, be generous in giving. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. You're a generous giver. The second thing that I want to, want to share with you today, the second thing that will help bring increase is use wisdom in spending. Use wisdom in spending. Use wisdom in spending. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Who gives wisdom? Anybody know the passage in, in James where he says to ask for wisdom? So the Lord will give it to you. God will show you where to get a better deal. Come on, somebody. God will lead you into places I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking nice. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. In fact, I have just been really, really seeing God move in our lives personally, especially when Shelly begins to pray. Man, I'm serious. There's times where she'll come in and she'll have a new outfit, and I'm thinking, how much did I spend on that? Right? And she'll say it was, you know, $10. And I'm going, whoo, amen? Because she's generous, God wants to bring it back to her, but she has wisdom in spending. You, you know, we've got to have wisdom in spending. I don't care how much money you have or don't have, you need to have wisdom in spending. What is it? Why are you going to buy it? I mean, we can get so emotional. Get it now, baby. Get it now. You got to get it now. Get it now. Get it now. Get it now. It's going to be gone because he's looking at it and he's looking for it. She's looking for it. You got to get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it now. Right? Anybody ever seen that? Let me tell you what to do. Say, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray about it for three days and I'll let you know. But you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You got to get it now. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Guess what? You miss it. You know what? If God really wants you to have it, He'll make a way for it. And it'll still be there three days from now. Can I get an amen? So I want you to begin to take that. So we've got to understand we've got to have wisdom in spending. Just kind of like your credit cards. Don't just roll up your credit cards and roll them up and use them up. And, you know, let's max them out. I got to max them. What do you got? I got, I got 10,000. I got only used four. I'm going to get 6,000. I'm going to go buy something. <laughs> have wisdom in spending. 
Don't spend it until you got it. Here's an idea. If you're looking at it and you need it, I said go home, wait and get some cash. Go home and work a week or a month or whatever it takes, three months. And instead of going in and buying that $1,000 furniture and pay six years on it, come on somebody, and sometimes, oh, I don't know about you, but it's happened to me. There's times where I got something and I was like, man, it was wore out and I was still paying on it. Can I get an amen on anybody? That can, do I, can I get a witness today? <laughs> I was still paying on it. It was like, man, the furniture's wore out and I'm still paying on it. Have wisdom in spending. I got away from my notes. Work hard until you accumulate wealth. Work hard until you get that wealth and then you come back in and then you can begin to put money down on that and you'll have wisdom in spending. Number three is work hard and be productive. Say that. Work hard and be productive. Again, work hard and be productive. See, working with a purpose, working with determination is the key to principles in prosperity. Working hard, you got a vision on it. Believe it or not, people that get blessed did something for God to bless them. They did. They worked hard. They put their hand to something so he could prosper it. Deuteronomy 28, 8. Have I got that? The Lord will command the blessing upon your barns and in all that you put your hand to. Industrious people, man. And he'll bless you in the land in which he swore the Lord to give you or your fathers to give you or to give your fathers or for you to operate in. I want us to realize that God wants to bless us. He wants to bring increase. And we need to be generous. We need to use wisdom in our spending. And we need to work hard and be productive. The fourth thing that I want us to look at today is is begin to invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. You all okay so far? Okay. You okay? You got past the generous part? How about you getting okay on the wisdom thing? Listen, if husbands and wives are not in agreement on an issue of spending, wait. Just wait. It is going to blow up the marriage. Wives, if you just go and do it. Or guys, if you just go and do it. Just wait. Let the idea sink in. Look at financially. Pray about it. Give it a few days. Just, and you'll see what God will do. But there's so many times that we see couples that they were fragmented because, you know what? He just went out and bought a John Deere mower. <laughs> That's great, but he didn't pay cash for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> he financed it. It's going to take us seven years. <laughs> I didn't want a John Deere mower that i got to pay on for seven years. Right? And there's problems. So just just wait. Work hard and then be productive. And the other thing is invest in yourself. What do you mean to invest in yourself? One of the things that one of the principles that we have taught you is that is the 10-10-80 principle where you tithe 10% and guess what? You pay yourself 10% and you live off of 80%. You need to invest in yourself, not only not only financially, but what about some books? What about some tapes? What about some things that will nurture your spirit and bless your soul, that will renew your mind? You know what I'm getting at? Listen to some things that are going to get you where you need to get to. You've got to invest in yourself. 
There may be times where, you know, the husband may look at the wife and the husband has been working time and time and time again and the wife, they're in another direction and the kids are pulling and there's going to be a time where you're going to say, you know what, honey, we got a couple hundred dollars set aside. We're going to invest that in ourselves. We're going to send the baby to the, to the in-laws or the grandparents. Are you with me? And we're going to go and spend some time together. It'd be a great investment. A great investment. Kind of get you away, kind of get you refocused on some things. Begin to invest in yourself. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, then don't expect anybody else to. Let me say that again. That's a good one. If you're not willing to invest in yourself, don't expect anybody else to invest in you. You need to invest in yourself by reading and listening to tapes and asking advice and getting an education. Investing in yourself also means to take a bath, to wear some nice clothes, to comb your hair when you're going to a meeting. Come on, somebody. To shave when you leave the house. You know, the guy's got beards. I'm not talking about that. Think about that. If you're going to a meeting, and, the, and, and one of the things I know Shelly said, you can, you, can only, you can only make a first impression once, right? You know, invest in yourself. Investing in yourself is the first step for others to invest in you. Investing in yourself. Do you know that you are the most valuable commodity that you have? You are. You are the most valuable commodity that you have. And you need to invest in yourself. Take care of yourself. You're important. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're important. I mean, you're valuable. Tell them, say, you're valuable. You are the most valuable commodity. I am the most valuable commodity that I have. It's not my wife. It's not my house. It's not my car. It's not any business. It's not anything. I am the most valuable commodity that I have. The most valuable thing to me is my relationship with God. Amen? But you're the most valuable commodity that you have. Number five. We've got time to do this. Let's get through this. Network relationships. Number five is network relationships. I mean, you heard it said that it's not what you know, but who you know that counts. I worked hard in a company and went only so far, could only get to a certain level. I thought, you know what? It's going to be how hard I work and nobody will work any harder than I'll work. Nobody will go after it like I'll go after it. And I only got to a certain place because I didn't work on the relationships. I didn't network relationships. And that's true. I've made friends with people who have changed my life forever. My relationships have helped develop me. People who have connected me to people who are helping me do the work of the kingdom of God. We need those types of relationships, don't we? We need, you need those types of people also. I mean, if you want to prosper, be nice to people. Be friends with people. I mean, there are people out there that are wanting to have a relationship with you. They're wanting to have a relationship with you. They're waiting to meet you. It can be a significant relationship in your life. So network relationships, say that. Network relationships. There's relationships that God's wanting to bring, bring forth in your life. Number six, hang out with successful people. <laughs> hang out with people that are successful. Well, how can I do the works of Jesus? Jesus hung out with some successful people. Come on, read the word. 
He hung out with businessmen that were successful, so successful that he could go, they could leave for three, three and a half years, leave their businesses, and then when Jesus ascended into heaven and he came back, he said, don't go back to your business, brother. That's what he told Peter. Successful people. He hung out with successful people. Did he, did he visit? Absolutely. He visited the poor, he, the widows, you know, you name it. Those that were downtrodden, those who were out. He visited them. He came to them. He did not, lay, he did not stay there. And that's the thing. We've got to break that mindset, that core belief that Jesus just hung out in the slums. He did not hang out in the slums. He went, he visited, he healed, delivered. There was no place that he wouldn't go, nothing that he wouldn't do. But those that were around him, those that were close to him, were successful people in the world. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And they left their businesses. Think about it. Successful people. Hang out with successful people. Uh, you know, if, if I'm looking for financial advice, I've told you this before. If I'm looking for financial advice, I'm going to look at somebody's life and I'm going to see that they're successful financially before I go talk to them. How about you? How about you? Write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. I recently had to cut a relationship. There's nobody in here. There's nobody that lives in this town. She wants you to know that. I had to cut a relationship. Because that person is not seeking after the kingdom of God. And I am. And I'm moving on. I have got to protect that. I've got to continue to move forward. How many of you know you can get stuck, put in neutral? You can all of a sudden end up being reverse. And you can look two or three years go by and you have not increased anywhere. Bad company corrupts good morals. Say it with me. Bad company corrupts good morals. Again, bad company corrupts good morals. I'm not saying you can't never have somebody that has, that's on the shady side. You can't talk with them. You can't minister to them. You can't you know, preach the gospel of the kingdom. You can't lead them to Christ. You can't give them hope. You can't. I'm not saying any of that. You need to do all that stuff, and that's what we need to do. But when they start hanging around with you and they start moving in with you, come on, be careful what will happen. I've seen it time and time again. We've seen people in, in the ministry that say, you know what, I want to go minister. I'm going to go back to the bars. I'm going back to the bars. I'm going to go to the bars. That's where I came out of. That's where I'm going, baby. I'm going to go. And we're like, no, don't go. Not yet, not yet. You're not strong enough. You're not developed enough. You don't have the moral character. But I'm going anyway. Doesn't matter. I've heard from God. I'm going. And they don't serve God any longer. Because they went into the bar and the bad company corrupt their good morals. I'll take a shirt. Calvin's got a white shirt on. If I took Calvin's white shirt and I went out to that grass outside, would that grass turn white or would it turn? Would the shirt turn green? The shirt's going to turn green. Okay? 
So a lot of times they're like, you know, I heard a word from the Lord. That's what I'm going to do, you know. Well, the Bible said there's safety in multitude of counsel. And people will say, that's what I'm going to do. I've been delivered. You've been delivered for how long? For the rest of your life? Have you reached a point of no return that now you can walk in there and I can walk into a bar, I can walk into a nightclub, I can walk into a place like that, and I believe, I believe, I, I don't want pride to come in, but I believe that I've reached a point of no return, that my relationship with God is a whole lot more important than me hanging out with this person to corrupt me. That's good, yeah, you can give the Lord some praise on it. Hang out with successful people. Find people that you want to have and you want to hang out with them. You know what else you can do? Serve them. Serve them. Ask questions. Volunteer to drive somewhere. I, 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 a few months ago, I, I asked Apostle John Benefield. I said, look, I, I want to go with you. I want to spend some time with you. He's like, hey, I'm going to Dallas. You know what? My flesh did not want to go to Dallas. <laughs> I'm like, Dallas, I don't want to go to Dallas. You don't understand it. But you know what? I said, you know what? I want to spend time with you. I want to hear. I want to ask. I want questions. I got, I want answers. I, things that I want understanding on. I, I want you to impart some things in me. And got up early that morning. Drove down to Oklahoma City, picked him up, and we drove to Dallas and, and, and Arlington and spent the whole day there and got back like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Are you with me? But it was important. It was important. Serve. Serve. Say that. Well, let me give you an example. Let's go there real quick. I think we've got time. Second Corinthians, or Second Kings, it's in the Old Testament. Chapter 2. Elisha served Elijah. Are you with me? We're talking about increase, right? Any, we want increase? I want increase. How about you? Say increase. increase. I want to get to 2 King, Kings chapter 2, I believe it is. Verse 15. This, you can listen to this. If you, if, if you don't find it, that's great. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 15. And now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, and they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Whoops, I started too soon. Sorry about that. Let's start at verse 1. I started where I should finish instead of where I should end up. Verse 1. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by the whirlwind to heaven, and Elijah went to Elisha, from Gilgal, and Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, The Lord lives, and as surely you, li you yourself live, I'm not going to leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha, and they said to him, Do you know that the Lord's going to take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The son of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha, and they said to him, do you know that? I mean, you talk about some prophetic words. <laughs> Elisha is getting prophetic words that Elijah's fixing to go. He's fixing to die today, or whatever they thought at that time. He was fixing to go that the Lord was going to take him. Are you with me? Not told him once, but now he's gone to another town, different city, different people, and the same, and more prophets come up and say, guess what? 
He's going to be taken from you today. Do you know that the Lord will take away the master from over you today? And he answered, yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah just said to him, please stay here. How many times has he told him stay here? I mean, it'd be like, you know what? I'm going over here. You stay here. I'm going over there. You stay here. How many of you would be whooping your dog if you said, boy, I told you to stay. <laughs> stay, boy, stay. I'm telling you to stay. Think about that. The third time. He said, and as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance. Now there was some water between them. And the two of them stood by the Jordan. There's the Jordan River. They stood on the cross on the other side of the bank. And Elijah, this is cool stuff. Elijah took his mantle and he folded it together and he struck the waters. And they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Let's give the Lord some praise for his word and some miracles. Amen. They crossed over on dry ground. I'm telling you what, Moses wasn't the only one separating some water. Elijah, <laughs> he took that mantle, he said, whoppa. And that baby said, Shreep. he said, come on, Elijah, I know you're still following me. Come on, I'm going to take care of you. Elijah took his mantle, folded together, struck the waters. They were divided here and there, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Verse 9, and when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what shall be done for you, because I'm going to be taken away from you. And Elijah said, please, let me a double portion of your spirit upon me. He served his way right into a double portion. Y'all see that? He served his way right into a double portion. And he said, you have never asked a hard, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it's not going to happen. Benny Hinn received an anointing, a mantle from Catherine Kuhlman. Are you with me? He served into that mantle. Took the biblical principles and served into that mantle. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's see what he said. Did he get it? As you're going along, taking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and the horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. This is so awesome. Elijah saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into pieces. There is a prophetic act that that mantle is being ripped that he had, the old mantle, and now he was putting on a new mantle. He also took up the mantle of Elijah and fell from him and it returned and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell on him and he... <laughs> I think he said, I'm going to try this out. huh? And he took that baby and he said... And he struck the water and it parted from here to there. And guess who was on the other side watching? Those other prophets. (laughs) 
Because they were like, who are we going to get advice from? Who are we going to get counsel from? Where are we going to get the word of the Lord? Because they knew Elijah had a relationship with God and was hooked in with God. And now Elisha had that same mantle, that same relationship, and it came through serving. What do you think? Pretty good deal, huh? Elisha had a pretty good deal. In fact, he not only got the double anointing, and when he did the double anointing, I can't remember how many miracles it was that Elijah did, but Elisha actually fell one short in the natural until they, I think they threw something in his grave, wasn't it? And then he, then his dead body rose up, wasn't it? And that was that other miracle to be exactly the same amount that was double than Elisha, that Elijah did. Did you know that? Yeah. He had not only a double portion, he did the double miracles. So Elijah, Elisha got what Elijah had by serving him. Successful people, they're more willing to share their secrets to those that are hungry for their advice. They're more willing to share their secrets than those that are hungry for their life, for, for their advice. So I want us to become an Elisha and serve them so we can receive something from them. Number seven. Y'all good? Y'all all right? Let me give you these real quick. Number seven, keep your eyes focused forward. Keep your eyes focused forward. The only thing that's harder than, than starting is finishing. It's easy to get started. It's tough to finish. Think ahead and be patient until we finish. Don't give up. Don't give in. And don't give out. Don't give up. Don't give in. And don't give out. In the middle of it, you got to keep going. Go ahead. Say it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on, everybody. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ron Canoli had a song that said, If you catch hell, don't hold it. If you're going through hell, don't stop. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Come on, join me. Don't stop. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Don't stop. Go ahead. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep your eyes focused on the prize. Let me give you that scripture. I think it's Philippians three thirteen. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind and what? Reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, towards the prize of the upward call of Christ. you got to move forward. you got to keep moving forward. you got to set yourself, your face, towards freedom to overcome that poverty mindset that will try to work on you. It'll work toward, And we got to work towards living in the blessing of God. We've got to work for that, not only for you, but your family to live in the blessing of God. Don't limit yourself and stay constrained under that lid of poverty. Poverty will put a lid on you and keep you from moving forward. I'm going to go ahead and give you the eighth one, all right? Create a plan and have a strategy. Create a plan and have a strategy. Create a plan and have a strategy. Habakkuk 2.2, that's what it says. I am real big. Some of you that know me... Then you know I keep lists of things to do. And I look at my list, and I have a plan, and I have a strategy, and I mark it off, and I start over with another list, and I mark that off, and I start over with another list, and I mark that off and start over with another list. I've had lists. I've had some people say, why don't you just get rid of that list? I get rid of that list. I won't have a plan or a strategy. 
Because the Bible says, here's the King James Version. It says, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. Write the vision, make it plain. Man, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a strategy. What separates your vision from fantasy is a strategy. What separates your vision from fantasy is a strategy. See, I can't just say, well, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. I'm eating some more Fritos, drink some more pop. God's going to do it. I'm going to have me a little more Fritos, get me some more pop. God's going to do it. Right? We've all done some of that, haven't we? Lord, forgive us. Creating a plan to achieve what you have, what you've just dreamed, what you've just seen, is vital. Creating a strategy. And how many of you know God will give you a strategy? When God wanted covenant people, he gave Abraham a strategy. When God wanted a nation, he gave Moses a strategy. When God wanted to give Israel a victory, he gave Joshua a strategy. God wanted his people to worship him, he gave David a strategy. When Jesus sent out the disciples, 70 of them, two by two, he gave them a strategy. When he wanted to birth a church, he gave the apostles a strategy. God will give you a strategy. God will give you a strategy. He will give you a strategy. He did then. He will now. What he says then, he'll say now. And I'm telling you, God will give you a strategy. Ask God for the strategy. He gave Noah the strategy on building the ark, didn't he? God will give you a strategy. You need a strategy. Say, God, give me a strategy. Say it again. Say it again. Say it to him. God, give me a strategy. Got to have strategy. Number nine, real quick. Number nine, don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to take risks. If you're afraid and it rains and you don't go outside in the rain, then I guess you will never develop an umbrella. Right. Don't be afraid to take risks. You can't play it safe all your life, but you've got to operate on faith. <laughs> oh, come on, you heard me. You've got to operate on faith. You're going to have to take risks. How many of you know God rewards people of faith? Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, 11.6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Say faith. Oh, man. I saw, I, something shifted. Say it again. It's shifting. It's shifting. It's shifting. You've got to be willing to take a risk. You've got to be willing to take a risk. You've got to be willing to step out of the boat. Oh, Peter took a risk. He stepped out of the boat. The woman with the issue of blood had spent all she had. She was down to nothing. And she said, if I can just get to the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his cloak, if I can just, ooh, I'm going to take a risk and slip through all these peoples and the disciples, and I'm going to get there. How many of you know Nicodemus came to Christ at night? He took a risk. He risked his life. He risked his life. So he slipped out at night and he came to Jesus and said, what's this born again stuff? What, what must I do to be born again? You know, that's the only time in the scripture that born again is mentioned. And it was at night to a Pharisee, to a Sadducee, to a, a 
religious leader. But guess what he did? He told him about it. He took a risk. Say, take a risk. We got to take a risk. Let's review them real quick. Have I got the last slide to review them? Number one, be generous. Number two, use wisdom in spending. Number three, work hard and be productive. Number four, invest in yourself. Number five, network relationships. Number six, hang out with successful people. Number seven, keep your eyes. That's a word for somebody here today. I just see that. Keep your eyes focused forward. Number eight, create a plan and have a strategy. And number nine, don't be afraid to take risks. And number ten, he missed it. Start now. Say that. Start now. Number ten is, is start now. You don't have to wait for some magical event or the stars to just line up just so before you get off the couch. You know, I mean, some people are just waiting on it to happen. Begin to dream big dreams. Begin to have big thoughts. Begin to start speaking forth, calling those things that be not as though they were. Don't have to wait. Get started. Let's get started on that. Let's get started on what God has for us. Let's begin to live in that kingdom of God. Let's begin to live that godly lifestyle. Let's begin to live in righteousness. Let's begin to live in holiness. Let's begin to start walking in those things, and God will bring increase to you. In fact, I want you to understand that if we do those things, increase is going to come automatically. It's going to be a byproduct. Just like they make perfume out of orange peels, it's a byproduct of the orange peel. Just like, you know, you make applesauce out of apples, it's a byproduct of that. And when we begin to continue to, to, to seek after God, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, God wants to bring you increase. Somebody shout, Increase! increase. Somebody shout, Increase! increase. I, and I want God to have increase in my life, but it's only going to happen if you get started now. Amen? Let's give the Lord some praise. And you can, you can stand up. Listen, I, I want to I encourage you guys. I mean, now's the time. Now, I believe there's some things that God, especially minute you guys are givers, you guys are tithers, you guys are offering, you guys are living for God, you're seeking after Him, you're doing those things. Step out. Step out and accomplish something.